You are listening to the Literary Comedy Podcast. Stories of comedy, tragedy, and time. Ing. Welcome to Chapter 15 of A Dragon for George, a reasonably friendly novel about a 12-year-old boy and a dragon who is not from another dimension. Last time, George found out that Lorne was genetically engineered in a lab for Corwin J. Willoughby, a very, very, very rich person who wishes he were a knight. George was then condemned to Corwin's dungeon with the damsel, his family, and a bunch of other people we've met along the way. And now, Chapter 15 of A Dragon for George. Dank, musty, and cold. No chair, no bed, no hope. George's cell had a small hole in the corner for when he needed to go. Not leave, but go. You understand. The dungeon reminded George a lot of the storm tunnels, except the storm tunnels had been part of an adventure. The storm tunnels had been part of a time when he'd hoped to complete his quest. George couldn't say he missed them, however. To miss them, he would have had to feel something. But all George could feel was the uneven rocky ground that he lay upon. Whoever made the storm tunnels demanded better craftsmanship than this. Those had been some pretty nice storm tunnels. There's black mold down here, said his father. That's bad for your health, said his mother. Lord only knows how long we've been in this forsaken place, said his father. We don't see sunrise or sunset, said his mother. It's impossible to tell how much time has passed if you can't see sunrise or sunset, said Thud. It's been a couple of days, said George. It's felt far longer, said Hank. I bet you it's felt even longer for your mother, said George's mother. She must be worried sick about you, Hank. Goodness knows I would be. Children don't understand what they put their parents through said George's father. They really don't, said George's mother. For the last half hour, or so, it really is impossible to tell in a dungeon, his parents had been making comments like that. Several times he'd heard, We thought you were dead, or You have no idea what you've put us through. George had wondered at whether they were, at least, glad that he wasn't dead, but they didn't tell him. And, given their other comments, he thought it best not to inquire. His dad informed George that Sir Corwin, everybody spit when they heard his name, though Hork spit the loudest, Tih! Sir Corwin, everyone spit again, Tih! Tih! Spit! Interrogated each of us about our part in stealing Lorne. We said we didn't know anything. Not that he believed us. Jack informed George that Sir Corwin, you, dear reader, can take the spitting as a given, has me making another electric bridle down here. Except he doesn't want the green nose, just the sparking part so that it can breathe fire. Jack was busy with that, and George's parents were busy complaining about George. George wondered how much the dungeon was really different from back home at the farmhouse. His parents didn't have crime shows to watch. His bed there had been comfortable. That was about it. We came after you, said George's father. Good parents that we are, said George's mother. You came after me to scold me said George. Yes, we need to scold you, said George's father. You ran off, said George's mother. Running away from us, said George's father. After all we've been through. You don't understand because you're not a parent, said George's mother. 
George had heard more than enough of this. He'd heard more than enough in the dungeon. He'd heard more than enough in their house that no longer felt like a home ever since Max had died. I do understand, George said. You don't understand, said George's father. We just told you that you don't, said George's mother. Listen for once. I listen all the time, said George, sitting up. You don't understand because you're not twelve. We used to be twelve, said George's mother. You've never been a parent. You think I don't understand what it was like to lose Max? George stood up. He was my older brother and my best friend. And I need him. I need him to help me get through all this stuff I have to go through with the stupid bullies pretending to be customers and saying the customer is always right and jackboxing me around like a jerk and none of the kids at school ever playing with me because let's face it, I'm kind of weird. I need to tell him about the dragon and falling off a cliff and almost dying in the river several times and sneaking under the city in storm tunnels because he would understand how much I enjoy doing that stuff better than anyone. It's times like that when only he would understand that I miss him the most. And when I miss him the most, I need him the most. I need Max to help me get through missing him. Because you guys don't help. You guys never listen to me. Or talk to me about him. Or even let me go into his room. I think you don't even want me to think about him. Because you miss him so much. But I miss him so much too. It makes me so angry that he's gone. For months I thought of Johnny and how to make him pay for killing Max. But Max died on his own. George paused. He didn't want to say the next thing. He didn't want to admit it even to himself. But it was the truth. And knights must tell the truth. I'm mad at Max for dying, George said. I hate him for it. You make me hate him. Because you won't let me miss him. George buried his face into his hands. Generous tears filled his eyes. He wiped them. He felt ashamed for what he'd said. He felt ashamed for what he felt. But it's what he felt. George sat down. He had no more to say. No one else spoke either. All George could hear was a steady drip of dungeon water, dogs barking in the distance, and paper rustling from Deidre's cell. He wondered what she might be up to. Finally, Jack spoke, his voice high-pitched and raspy. I'm sorry I pushed you around. I know you missed your brother. I guess I thought it better to treat you normally rather than a tragic figure or something. My sister was a jerk to me after our mom died, and it helped. I think. Made me who I am anyway. But maybe who I am is a jerk. I don't know. Are you crying? George asked. Just a little dust in my eyes, Jack said. A succession of whelps came from his cell. I can't even see your eyes, said George. But it sounds like you're crying. I am crying, said George's father, his voice as high-pitched and raspy as Jack's. I'm sorry, I, I don't usually... 
That's not the only reason we're sorry, said George's mother, also speaking with a high-pitched and raspy voice, also whelping. We're sorry we haven't been there for you, said George's father. We miss him so much, said George's mother. I understand, George said. We know you do, said George's mother. And we love you, we truly do. We'll do better in the future, said George's father, assuming we have a future. If we weren't locked in this dungeon, we'd hug you right now, said George's mother. This dungeon is positively inhumane, said his father, not even allowing people to hug one another. We're sorry for picking on you, said Thud. It's just that, you know, you're there, said Hork, and you're weird. It is hard to resist sometimes, said Thud, but we're sorry all the same. Yes, said Hork, we are. You guys are all wimps for crying, said Hank. But his voice was raspy, too. Shut up, all of you, Deidre said. I'm trying to think. Don't talk to our son that way, said George's dad. That's a great moment y'all had there, said Deidre. But it's not going to get us out of this dungeon we're all stuck in. It could help us out of the metaphorical dungeon, said Thud. I saw a documentary on grief recently. Sharing your emotions is very important. It's the actual literal dungeon that I'm concerned about at the moment, said Deidre. What's your plan? said George. I don't have one yet, said Deidre. George heard pages flipping in her cell. What are you reading? I stole Corwin's diary when he slapped me before. Good job, said George. I was hoping it could give us some clues on how to get out of here, but it's barely even written in English. It's in that weird medieval talk you weirdos love so much. Maybe I could help, said George. You could read me relevant pages. I don't even know what's relevant, said Deidre, because none of it makes any sense. Hand it to him, said Jack. You can pass it between the toilet holes. Okay, then, said Deidre. George walked over to the toilet hole and reached as far as he possibly could. Got it? Deidre asked. George felt the leather of the diary touch his fingers. He squeezed it tight. Got it, he said. Thank you for listening to Chapter 15 of A Dragon for George. Tune in next time when George will discover a dark secret in Corwin's diary. Until then, bless you, keep you, and take good care.